Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Osiris. The time has come for you to be the guest on Comes a Time. Wednesday, November 17th, 9pm, exclusively on Moment House. Join us for the inaugural Comes a Time Crystal Ball from the Wizard's Castle. Mike and Otil will be consulting my crystal ball that will be filled with your questions, your stories, and your pretty faces. What will the questions be? Well, that depends on you. Head on over to MomentHouse.com for details. Hey, Mike, I can't see clearly. Is that a lightning bolt on your shirt? You're damn right it is, Otil. This is Section 119. Hey guys, we just got our hands on some great new gear from an officially licensed partner of the Grateful Dead, Section 119. Oh yeah, Section 119. They sent me a pair of board shorts. They're actually really cool. I actually uh, wore them on stage and uh, they were really comfortable. You know, I live in board shorts in Florida, so that's kind of my jam. And uh, these have a cool print on them. Bertha's on there and the roses and stuff. I really like them. I got one of the performance polos with the Grateful Dead bolt embroidered in the chest. It's super stretchy, and I love the way it feels when I'm on stage wearing it. I feel like I'm representing the dead and rocking out some jokes in style. Section 119 was started by a couple of fans who wanted more than a lot tea to show their appreciation for the Grateful Dead. They started an apparel line that has everything you can imagine to represent the band at every occasion. And not just the dead, they've got some amazing fish duds as well. From button downs with dancing bears all over it, to board shorts with super vibrant prints and donuts all over your shirts and socks, they've got something for every fan for any occasion. If you're looking for more than a t-shirt to celebrate the Grateful Dead, the folks at Section 119 make the highest quality apparel. Boogie on over to section119.com and use code COMESATIME. That's all one word, comes a time, for 15% off your next purchase. Hey, this is Oteal. If you're liking what you're hearing, head on over to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and get your bus pass for an extra episode every week. Welcome back to another episode of Comes a Time. That right there is my friend Oteal. And that right there, hopefully the way my finger is pointing, it's my friend Mike. Hi, Oteal. Hey, Mike. We had a fun... uh, chat today with uh Jim Belushi uh actor comedian farmer now producer of the show Growing Belushi uh about his cannabis farm in Oregon and uh man this was 
right before we do these intros, obviously after the episode, but we were just talking, Otiel, please reiterate what you do because I echo your sentiment so much. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm an older guy and I, I saw the original cast of Saturday Night Live. That's the only one I ever watched. You know, uh-huh. when they started dying, it was it broke my heart and I just stopped afterwards. But to hear his speech pattern and to just the, to hear that sound, uh, it just was really it was tripping me out. You know, it yeah. took me back. It was like a time warp. It really made me feel uh, good in ways that are indescribable and you can't get any other way. You know, it was and he's so funny, man. Yeah, it was incredible. And it, I know exactly what you mean, because like, you know, I grew up in the, you know, Norm, uh, you know, Spade, Sandler, yeah. you know, Phil Hartman. Like that was my group. I saw I saw Lorne Michael inter- Lorne Michaels interviewed and he said that like it's pretty standard that the group that was you were in like junior high school and high school, that was your favorite. You know, and like Will Ferrell and all them were kind of like came after that for me. So I kind of missed out, you know, and Fallon and those guys. But yeah, I mean, but you go back and you watch the old, his brother and Aykroyd and Chase. And I mean, it's probably because you remember the time, uh, you know, there was a a span of time there where where I wasn't old enough for my parents to let me stay up to watch it. Mm. And then I remember when it's like, okay, you could stay up and watch. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a rite of passage. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and so that's the one that definitely imprints, you know, for sure. Yeah, it's so great to. He's, you know, (laughs) we did ask him a little bit about the Blues Brothers, you know, a little bit. His his Ackroyd impression. Yeah, stay, yeah. please stay tuned until you hear the Ackroyd impression. But you want to know what? It doesn't matter who the hell we talk to. This this podcast finds its way to the fact that people are hurting and we can help each other through it no matter what. And his, you know, experience is meeting the folks that are in line waiting to buy, you know, medicine and all of that. It's uh it's a really remarkable chat and I'm I'm really thank you Jim. Yeah. I was in I was down in New York doing uh a long night of shows and it was like a one real real late set. And it was a crazy night in New York. It was just one of those like – I mean lately in New York City, it's like in the middle of the night. It just feels like New Year's Eve and all the bars let out and it's just people be coming back, you know, coming back to life. And I'm trying to like shuffle around the line to go down to the Village Underground to do a set. And I turn to my right and there's Jim Belushi and his son. And lo and behold, he's moving him into college. And he's like, hey, what's up? They told me to come around the corner. I want to see the show. And we had been in communication about having him on. And I'm like, you're supposed to be here, man. And it just got all like, you know, it's like the, the art thing found me in my like shit night, you know. And I was like, yeah, let's talk after. And I went on. They watched my set. And then we walked outside and had a chat. And right away, it's just like, he's cool. This is going to be awesome, you know. So thanks, Jim, for nice. for joining us today. And thank you, everybody who's listening. We're on Osiris, home to so many great podcasts. Head to OsirisPod.com to check those out. Uh, speaking of cannabis, I hope I'm doing this right. Am I you doing are. this right? Garcia <laughs> Handpicked Cannabis is our sponsor. Um, honored to be a part of uh, you know their amazing work. Go to GarciaHandpicked.com to see if it's available in your area. Um, beautiful packaging and uh, beautiful product. And uh, speaking of beautiful product, 
our Patreon's pretty friggin' great. So go to patreon.com forward slash comes a time pod and uh, join O'Teal and I in the whiz for uh, a bonus episode each week and a whole bunch of great content that uh, Eric's curating. So uh, thank you and uh, everyone stay safe out there and uh, take care of each other. Let it roll like a big wheel in a Georgia cotton field. Honey. <laughs> All right. Well, Jim, great to see you. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Yes, yes. I love this Zoom stuff. I don't have to travel anywhere. It's great. <laughs> Zoom, I'm really getting used to it. I'm really kind of liking it. Last year, I released uh, Growing Belushi, my cannabis farm show on Discovery, and I had to do two weeks of. Uh, publicity and interviews and i did it all from danny Aykroyd's house in martha's vineyard it was so nice oh wow super yeah. nice yeah it could be worse right stuff man yeah totally i ran into you at this at the in new york at the cellar the other night when yeah. I, I was performing yeah, yeah so you, you you put it together and we put it together and here we are see, and here we are man. Word, right yeah yeah so see that's the the mission is is when you do leave the house you got to make shit happen so when you go back there's stuff to do <laughs> yeah yeah you were funny by the way my hey, son really dug you man he's been wanting to go to the comedy cellar ever since he's at nyu two blocks away Oh, no kidding. I was there last night. I did an hour set. I wish I knew. I would have, you know, invited him to come. Well, he's swapped now, man. Freshman year at NYU. Oh, man. So were you there moving him in? Exactly. Exactly. The big move in, college day, you know, up and down those elevators with boxes with toasters and little refrigerators and sheets and, you know. (laughs) I mean, when I went to college, I loaded up my 61 Valiant with a bed (laughs) from my room, boxes, and the car was filled with paint because I was painting houses, so I had paint and smelled paint in my car driving on SIU. And this generation is like, this is a monumental day to move your child into school. I'm like, yeah, okay. (laughs) that's funny in new york though in like the late august early late august basically you see like wisconsin plates and iowa plates and illinois plates and everyone's smiling and happy and clean and they're like yeah you're not from around here (laughs) (laughs) your kids in they're not dirty and miserable well no my son's digging it though man he's 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 digging it he's really my daughter just graduated last december from nyu so it it really New York really it just knocks the LA out of you. you know, <laughs> That's a great you way to put want. it. Yeah, it knocks that polite bullshit out of you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I feel like a, you know, I'm in the west side of LA. Like, I, I don't know what lesson God has wanted me to learn. Maybe, <laughs> you know, be more polite. I don't know. I guess, <laughs> You know, I'm from Chicago. It's funny, my son was going, oh, God. These, these these guys are, like, telling me I'm, like, so phony. I hate being from L.A. And I said, honey, I've been working with you for four years now, five years trying to get you to be real. You know, all you got to do is speak what you feel. Yeah. I said, you know, you lived in a house with a guy from Chicago. 
<laughs> I don't buy any of your bullshit. All the girls do. <laughs> you know, the mom, it's like, and you think I'm I'm a bad dad? No, I'm just trying to be real with you. Now you're on the streets of New York. Oh, <laughs> I don't have to teach you. <laughs> New York will do it for you. Yeah, I'm grateful to New York, but New York is. You know, I've got a long history with New York, you know, John with Saturday Night Live. I mean, he, you know, John, you know, they became the darlings of New York. I mean, they were the toast of the town. New York was proud of them and claimed them as their own. And and uh, I, you know, always kind of floated in behind John, you know, the bigger brother. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I've done. I was at the Cherry Lane. I was on Broadway. I did Saturday Night Live. I lived in the Village, Soho. And I got a long history with New York. I, I love New York. Yeah. Love New York. You too. Do you remember what your rent was when you lived in the Village? <laughs> uh, yes, it was free because I was staying at John's place. <laughs> but when I did Broadway the last time, uh, it was 10000 a month. Oh. Okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right. All right. That's a nice well, place minute, to wait mine. A oh, wait a minute. I wasn't paying that. <laughs> if I was paying, I'd be finding a place for three eighty-five. I'm three hundred and eighty-five. I'm an actor. I never believe I'm gonna get another job or make another dollar. So I'm a little tight. Amen. That critic, right? That critic will keep you cheap. We talk about that quite a bit, the critic. Last night I was trying to do some new material and just, you know, coming out of the pandemic and coming back to life and all that. You look at your old stuff and you go, this shit doesn't work anymore. It was written in a whole other world, you know? And it's like, if you want to be real at all, it's like starting over again. Yeah, it's a start over for everybody, really, isn't it? I mean, kind of me. I mean, the pandemic brought on uh, big changes in career-wise, you know, acting-wise, changes in my family. I got divorced. I mean, the pandemic, you know, some some families got together, some families blew up. Mine was one that blew up. And, you know, I'm starting over on all kinds of avenues. And... I'm starting just now. I'm starting to really enjoy, you know, like this is all right. Not the same anymore. It's good to change your jokes. Come on. You you find more inspiration. Yeah. Well, you heard some of the new stuff. So I'm glad you laughed. Yeah. Yeah. You got (laughs) to find a new groove. Yeah. A lot of people are doing that. A lot of people are finding a new groove. Did New York feel different to you? How did it feel compared to when you were there? There, there. Uh, the only thing that felt different was it was nice to see out more outdoor cafes. <laughs> yeah. Shutting down some of those streets and building out those cafes. Like, wow, these residents have just doubled their occupancy. That yeah. Awesome. <laughs> it's bad. It's a bad time to have a car there, but it's a yeah. good time to want to eat outside for sure. Otiel, I ran into Jim the night that I told you that like, it felt especially like Mardi Gras or New yeah. Year's Eve-ish. We're like yeah. walking down McDougal. It was like a sea of people. It was just like a like a parade had just let out, you know? And I turned to the right and there there's Jim. And I'm like, oh, we were supposed to meet right away. What I tell you? I'm like, this was supposed to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I guess it's part of the village was alive. People were walking again, you know. Yeah. Uh and 
I, you know, I feel pretty confident with the vaccine. You know, I still was wearing my mask because uh, I got all these people around me. Put on your mask, put on your mask. <laughs> but then I just got the booster shot, so I feel pretty good. Good. Pretty safe. So currently, are you up in uh, Southern Oregon right now? No, I'm in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. But the but the cannabis is up. Uh... Well, it's, it's it's up there, and I'm here because we are finishing our rough cut of uh, the th- of three episodes for Growing Belushi for the second season. So I am here to sit, literally sit in the editing room and do some you know, cleaning up with jokes and restructuring little things. But the crew that I got, the editors are, they're in the group. I saw something. But then on I go on to the farm. Yeah. I saw something on the, um, like a promo that wildfires were threatening. Can you tell us about that? It said wildfires were threatening your farm. Oh, uh, that was last year's fire, September yeah. 8th, around that area of time when the uh, talent in Phoenix, two small cities along the I-5 corridor about, oh, about a 20-minute drive from my farm, just incinerated, just burnt out. Uh, we had a fire over to the east of us. That, that was to the west. Uh, we were about three miles away from the fire which is really close smoke was really thick and uh it was incredible this community in jackson county because that's what i experienced with man people really stepped up they really stepped up to help each other and it's just it's beautiful to see that humanity has that still you know yeah man but uh, there were some lives you know families that were devastated but it's being rebuilt, and uh, I know somebody's already got into their home. It's been rebuilt. So, what's it like this year with the fire situation? Fire situation was uh, was mainly coming from uh, Northern California, uh, where we could read all that smoke, and then there was some fires north of us and west, but farther, farther away. But we felt in our valley really thick smoke you know i, I, I know some situation i know that i know some folks that grow on the on the east coast that said that their plants had this oily kind of substance in the soil and they found that it was the you know that when, when the planes go by and drop that kind of um petroleum substance on the fires to try to put it out oh. the wind had carried it in the smoke all the way over to the oh east coast <laughs> and it was showing up in the soil and then it was like tack, tacky on the plants and stuff and it's like man that's huh. it's wild like my wife even that, was like that's what? interesting because you know what we just had uh a batch tested that turned up uh, something that we're not used to and it didn't pass Hmm. It's like, come on, we have the cleanest farm there is. We use natural ingredients. We use water from the river. Maybe maybe something from the river. Maybe some of that oil through the river. Or maybe, 
Who the hell knows? Well, I mean, that's crazy. interesting. That we didn't. I didn't say, I'm going to bring that up to the girl. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of wild to think too, because it's you know you think East Coast, West Coast, how much space there is, but I mean, we've been getting significant amounts of, you know, in the Northeast. Like my wife will get like a itchy kind of like a skin rash type thing anytime there's a significant amount of smoke coming from the fires. And it's, mm. it's really wild that it's, it's show. I mean, as all of the ca- catastrophic shit going on in, the, in our world, how tiny we really, how, you know, we're just ants on a hill, you know, but that smoke's carrying a lot of stuff. Yeah, over yeah. Here too, well, yeah. it's, I mean, look, the media, uh, I you know always have beef with the media. It's 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 a you know kind of a weird relationship because media helps you promote what you want to do and what you want to say, but media can also just ravage you. You know. Yep. And I think media has been so since Trump hasn't been in office, they've been so desperate for stories (laughs) that they really piled up on Oregon and the fires. And on uh, Portland and the little disturbances that they had there. Mm-hmm. Not little, but disturbances. So tourism is a big part of Oregon. It's a gorgeous state. Portland, Absolutely one of beautiful. The most beautiful cities on the coast. Yeah. <clears throat> tourism dropped this year because the media made it feel like Oregon is either on fire or there's civil disturbance, you know, in Portland. So <laughs> let me tell you. Oregon's not on fire. It's still a beautiful <laughs> state. And there's Portland's very peaceful, very nice, a lot of hippies, nice people. Yeah. I remember seeing uh, when in the midst of all the protests and stuff, and, you know, I watch alternative media. I don't even deal with corporate news. And they, they showed a map. They were like, this is the little teeny spot where the protests are going on. And this is the rest of Portland. You know, all of Portland is not on fire. Yeah. You guys are making this. You know. Yeah. Well, I went down one time. <laughs> I went down. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm doing this, you know, growing Belushi and it's about Oregon and growing, you know, a little bit about Oregon. I went down, do a little research, kind of do a little scout, see, I'm kind of wonder if we could shoot something here, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's a little. There was a little park across from the federal building, and I went there. And maybe there were sixty-five people, and they're all costumed up, like you know, bulletproof things, and helmets, and you know, <laughs> gloves. And it was it was wow. It was like a costume party, right? <laughs> because people were just milling around. Talking to each other. Hey, what have you been doing? Oh, you find that job yet? No, and I applied, but you know, they haven't called me back yet. You know, like it reminded me of like a pre concert going to the Allman Brothers in the 70s, like, hanging out in the lobby, bullshitting. You know, it was like, this doesn't feel dangerous to me. This doesn't feel. So then at nine o'clock, all of a sudden, Coming down the street, the side street, 
were these vans and police vehicles with lights and sirens and microphones going, get on the street, get on the street. And then all the 65 people ran up to the edge of the street and started screaming. And the cops came out and said, get out of the street, get out of the street. They're flashing lights into the crowd and they're making noise and they're cheering and screaming. And then an hour later, the cops got in their cars and left. And the same guy's going, no. <laughs> so maybe, uh, ah, maybe tomorrow I'll hear from this guy. <laughs> well, you know. Meanwhile, the news. <laughs> going, first of all, the cops' entrance was like theatrical. It was like this yeah. is a Broadway show. Showtime. I did Pirates of Penzance where I came <laughs> out with a sword and an orchestra <laughs> and a boat coming across the stage, right? And it was the audience is going nuts, right? I went, these guys have done a very good job of staging the opening overture of this 60-minute one-act musical. And it was, and then it hit me. Oh, it's the pandemic. There is no live entertainment. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Where is everybody going to go? It's like, hey, let's go down and see them. I hear they come out at nine. It's a pretty good go. <laughs> let's go get a good seat. Yeah, nobody's getting hurt. They're just jeering each other. It was like just theater. Yeah. They just need to have, they're missing someone going, uh, cue house lights, just like everybody takes <laughs> their position and then start to show, you know, like, yeah, but yeah. then they I, run it all day long, I, like it's happening all day and all night. First of all, all those men and women there, I'm, you know, I don't want to, I want to be clear that they're all there for a purpose and a good purpose. And the police are there for their purpose. And there's a lot of politics going on that I, I was more into the production part yeah. of it. It, it was uh, it was very interesting. <laughs> the, the the late Norm Macdonald said in one of his jokes, he goes, you know, I remember growing up when uh, the, in the news was a half an hour, and uh, he goes, I I think they had it right. Yeah. He, said that. <laughs> he goes, in fact, yeah. I think that was even too long. He's like, there was always a story about a local dog at the end. Yeah, yeah. I remember the news being on and we'd wheel the TV into the dining room and watch it. And it was so uh, desensitizing started there because we would be eating dinner and watching the news and seeing all this Vietnam footage. Right? Every wow. night we get footage and it's like we're eating dinner watching this you know, our boys, women dying, you know. It was yeah. But it did help stop it because people weren't used to seeing it. So when they actually saw it, they were like, hey, all right, what are we doing here? Uh, like, yeah. how many people are we, you know? It, it, it was weird, but I, I I wish we could go back to that when the news was all about yesterday. Like, it yeah. already passed. Yeah. You know? But if we went back to that, we'd still get, we'd get busted for pot, so... That's true. <laughs> Very true. That's true. Very true. Silver when money. did you start to? When did you start to get into? Uh, you know, like cannabis as like where we're at now, like the movement and the progress and everything that's going on. Was it always a part of your life, or? Well, I, you know, when I was in high school, I was a little bit of a hippie, you know, and uh, I did, you know, I smoked pot. I actually got busted in my town for a couple of joints a couple of times. Um, and then, you know, I did 
the usual psychedelics. And then went to college. Once I started getting serious about acting, all that kind of fell to the side because the high really was that. And you just didn't want to cloud yourself. Yep. You know, although now I believe there are strains that don't cloud, but kind of support certain creative modes, but you know, like especially for writing or you and I going back and forth, trying to come up with ideas, collaboration. Hmm. But uh, I've never been a, a big smoker. And when I had this farm in Oregon, I, I had this property in Oregon on the river um, in uh, Eagle Point, beautiful spot. And the farm came up behind me, 80 acres, and I bought it. And I didn't know what to do with it. I'd grow something or put cattle on it. I don't know. And marijuana became, cannabis became recreationally legal. And I went, well, new agriculture. Yeah. So I got Captain Jack, which is friends with Danny Ackroyd. He was, used to be the weed dealer at SNL. And he had this strain, this Afghani strain uh, called uh, 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 Afghanica, something Afghanica, I can't remember. Anyway, um, he went there in 71 and 72 and worked with the villagers of Masharif. Masharif. Yeah, it was known for its hashish for hundreds of years, right, right. On the, right on the Silk Road. And the second year he worked there in the village, the elders gave him some seeds. So he's been growing that from seed wow. to flower since 1972. Oh, and somehow he was involved with Danny and John and everybody at Saturday Night Live. And he was the weed guy. <laughs> and it's really stinky pot. And Danny, you know, they'd be up till you'd be up till five in the morning writing at twelve o'clock. You're like, you know, Tom Davis, and they would Danny would they would smoke a joint to get themselves going again, and they'd come up with the come up with cone heads and shit. You know, <laughs> this was really a creative strain. Yeah, and yeah. you could smell it down the halls because it's so sneaky. So, so Captain Jack was known as the smell of SNL. <laughs> so anyway i got that seed oh wow so i started the farm with that seed huh and uh then it was like a business and then i ran and i i, I did a lot of personal appearances at these dispensaries yeah and you know you like you walk in a comedy cellar you know there's a big line outside so I, you know, I walk by and I touch him on the shoulder. Hey, I'll see you inside. I'll see you inside. And one guy was a, just looked at me just with these deep eyes, you know, long hair, skinny, blue eyes. And I said, Are "You all right, man?" And he said, "I was a medic in Iraq, and I saw things that happened to the human body that nobody in their life should witness." He said, I have PTSD. They tell me I have triple PTSD. I don't really know what that means. But they gave me a bottle of Oxycontin 600. And I couldn't do it. So I started using cannabis. And it really helped me get off of that. But I, I have trouble talking to my wife and my kids in sleep. And you're black. Diamond OG is the only strain 
where I can have a conversation and I can sleep. Wow. And he was like teared up and he and he hugged me. And I said, Man, I I didn't make this. He goes, No, but you're a steward. Hmm. That was the paradigm shift right there. When we left that dispensary, I was talking to my cousin Chris, and I said, No, man, this is the real thing. This cannabis can change people's lives for the better. And then I, the journey began there for me, that moment with that man, that veteran. And I'm, I'm, even this season on the show, we show how to make uh, full-spectrum oil for people who are suffering from cancer, severe pain, severe illnesses. And what it does, and we interview these doctors that are really into the medicine of cannabis. And my own sister-in-law had cancer. I gave her some of this. And she, along with chemo, she's now cancer-free. So I don't know. You know, there's. I got a picture of a guy the other day, older guy, and his, the picture, his arms were black and blue. because. He has Alzheimer's, and he had a violent rage fit. And it took three adults to restrain to, to him. Wow. And that's where the bruises were from. Mm. And there were children in the house. Yeah. Give them some full-spectrum oil. Yeah. Get them some FSOs. Get them a candy bar of 50 milligrams. You know, like obviously the Pharmaca stuff is not working. And sure enough, I got a text saying he's in the backyard. He's comfortable. He's singing. And it's like, okay. Again, family helps families. It's not curing it. But it's they, these poor guys, these women and men that have it, they don't know where they are. They panic. They get scared. They get violent. Cannabis just like oh, balances out those endocannabinoids, chills my. I mean, there's I can go on and on about these stories, but it's cannabis is doing beautiful things for people. I mean, I got one strain. My former wife. <laughs> this, is, this is new for me. Just keep saying this. My former wife. Uh, <laughs> I would come downstairs and she would say, are you hungry? And I go, yeah. Do you want to go out to eat? Sure. Where do you want to go? I go, I don't know. I got a taste for a cheeseburger. You know, I'm a Midwest guy. right?" <laughs> and she's like, so LA. She goes, oh, I don't know. It's a little Philly for me. Heavy, heavy. Okay. Uh, anything else? Like, How about some sushi? I love that place in Sautel with the little beers and, Oh, I had sushi with my mom last night. Anything else? And I'm like, what the fuck are you wasting my time for? You know, goddamn well, we're going to eat where you want to eat, and we're going to eat what you want to eat. You waste. I've been working all day, and you're, we go through this jerk-off exercise. <laughs> now you wonder why I'm divorced. But anyway. <laughs> Can't wait to hear about this strain. <laughs> So there's this cherry pie that I have. I like it because it's 19% THC. 
Wow. Whoops, he's over 25. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> and it's got 3% terpenes, which are the flavor and the taste values. And the combination, the concert of the terpenes with the THC has this really wonderful entourage effect. And it's not heavy. I'm like, couldn't talk. She doesn't even know I had a hit. Mm. I come downstairs. She goes, Are you hungry? Yeah. Uh, where do you want to go to eat? And I go, baby, we can go to Taco Bell as long as you're sitting across from me. (laughs) Aren't you being charming? Am I? (laughs) So I called the strain the marriage counselor. (laughs) And I told this story at a harvest party in Oregon. And my cherry pie sold out in two months because people were coming in. Women were coming in going, where is that marriage counselor? He needs that. (laughs) (laughs) So you can get strains that are just make you charming and sweet. You can change strains that knock you out. You can get strains that give you energy. You can get strains that heal. You can get strains. What? Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing that's awesome about that. And we talk about it all the time. Is like, there's so many different levels of healing. There's the PTSD, there's the cancer, there's the, the, but then there's the, 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 what, what was it called? Who are we talking to? Um, was it Rick Doblin who said there was a guy, a, a, a veteran who felt like he had a gorilla inside of oh, him yeah. in a cage. And yeah. it's just this, you know, they using psychedelics for, you know, depression and PTSD and anxiety and stuff. But it that's nowadays when you can go, this is the strain for the morning. This is the strain for tonight. This is when I'm going to go out and try to be sociable. Like, thank God we're in this era. Cause I remember you just got what the guy had. Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, and what the guy had wasn't tested. Right. You didn't know the THC values. You didn't know if it was clean, what the pesticides were, what they were doing to your lungs. You didn't know nothing. Man, you just did, and that guy didn't know nothing. He just bought it from somebody else, and the yeah. guys growing them were were making money. Now they're growing it as an artisan, you know. I mean, or Southern Oregon and Northern California are is basically the Napa Valley of cannabis. Yeah, the mm-hmm. most beautiful weed. By the way, there are states that are threatened by the idea of full legalization. Because if the borders come down, what's going to happen is Oregon and California, which make could make a tremendous amount of pot, are going to be a national delivery service for the rest of the country because it's beautiful stuff. It's not just uh, some of the stuff that I see grown indoor in other states looks like uh, hairballs from cats, you know, compared to what I'm used to. <laughs> And and also the states are scared that they're going to lose all that tax income because they can tax the cultivation, the distribution, the dispensaries, the consumer. And if I'm shipping it to Illinois, they're only taxing it once, right? So there's there's kind of this push to legalize it federally, and there's also kind of a push that it doesn't happen. So the states may fight it. So it's an interesting political dilemma. As everything is these you know, <laughs> well, it's funny because we, man, and you know, I mean, I mean, the the mission statement is this: if you want to hear it, the mission statement goes like this: 
The wellness of cannabis includes a pathway to healing for Alzheimer's, PTSD, headaches, sleeplessness, anxiety, depression. Um, But it also enhances the sound of music, the taste of food, the touch of your lover's skin. And it also makes you feel good. Gives you a sense of joy, which you should never feel guilty about feeling good. And it's enlightening. It's, it enlightens your load and you become enlightened. You're going toward the light, which is, which is spiritual, which is healing, which is, you become more generous. You become kinder. I mean, I always said, you know, I was, a, you know, in Chicago, I was a bouncer, you know. And I never broke up a fight between two potheads. <laughs> That's, right. You know? That's right. That's right. So, I mean, all of that is involved with the wellness of cannabis. You don't have to be sick. Right. Everybody is using medicine. Everybody. You're doing Advil. You know, you're doing a, a Tylenol. I don't know. You're doing Ambien. You're doing yoga to release endorphins. You're running to release endorphins. You're, everybody is looking to release endorphins and feel good. And there's, there's there's medical ways to do it. There's pharmaceutical ways to do it. There's natural ways to do it. And all I'm saying is if you want to medicate from a hard day, instead of having too much to drink, which, you know, I'm, I have a drink once in a while, but you know, the stats of yeah, the yeah, poison of alcohol and the fucking families that alcoholism has destroyed, yeah. collapsed. Not to mention all the car accidents and the deaths with the beatings and the battering. If you want to medicate, take a hit off the cherry pie. <laughs> you know, take, take a little piece of candy from an edible. Chill, man. Love your wife or your partner. You know. Be nice to each other a little bit, you know? Now, so, I'm I you got me on the preacher's pulpit today. Man, what's going on with you? What are you doing something, man? I'm talking too much. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back after this. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at Smart Wool. For more than 25 years, Smartwool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. What's up, everyone? I'm Mike. And I'm O'Teal. And these are our Sunset Lake CBD gummies that are almost gone. Sunset Lake CBD is a farmer-owned business that ships CBD products directly from their farm to your door. For years, Sunset Lake was a Vermont dairy farm producing milk for Ben & Jerry's ice cream. In 2018, they diversified and started growing hemp for CBD. And with a product for everyone, they offer pre-rolls, hemp cigars, and hemp flowers, as well as tinctures, gummies, and CBD-crafted coffee to help with stress, aches, and pains. 
Sunset Lake CBD saves you money by shipping high-quality CBD products directly from their farm to your door. Want to know what I've been using a lot of, Oteal? This salve with the arnica uh, yeah. on, my, on my old bones. You get back from a show and you got tore ankle, rub a little bit of this on there. You're ready to dance the next day. And you know, Sunset Lake, uh, comes a time listeners can visit sunsetlakecbd.com and use promo code TIME for 20% off of their purchase. That's sunsetlakecbd.com, promo code TIME. And tell them we sent you. Hey, everybody. Wednesday, November 17th at 9 p.m., Comes a Time is doing our first live event brought to you by Moment House. That's right, folks. We are having the inaugural Comes a Time Crystal Ball, and you're all invited. The time has come for you to be a guest. So all of our foot traffic, our bus riders, our space travelers, we want to hear from you. The wizard has invited us to his castle, and he has summoned the Crystal Ball, and that's where you will appear with thoughts, questions, comments, and Otil and I, and you, will be joining together to uh, make a very special event. So head on over to momenthouse.com, and uh, we will be providing the links, and we really want you to join us. We thought, right, Otil, for our first event, what better guest than our new friends? Absolutely. So send in a video question. Uh, The best questions will get priority. And our Patreon uh, patrons will get priority. Attendance is mandatory, but not required. So we love you guys, and uh, we will see you live at the Crystal Ball. Thanks for listening. We're I'm glad it, to hear it because I, you know, I I lived through all that propaganda. I was born in '64, and when I tried weed, yeah, you know, I'm a musician, man. I'm just, <laughs> I just, you know, how creatively like. And I just thought, man, they're just telling such lies on this stuff. And the lives are destroying, jailing people. And we've even, like, during the podcast, we've had a lot of the uh, cannabis and psychedelic stuff. on. we thought, man, maybe we should back off on this because, you know. But, you know, what keeps coming back up is how much people are hurting. And the solutions they've been sold are digging them into a deeper hole and it's like, man, this is just reality. Like, people are really struggling, and this stuff really okay. helps. Okay, okay. Listen, I, 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 I don't run into any problems doing this cannabis thing. I only run into curious people. Oh, yeah. I went to my former mother-in-law's house. <laughs> so good <laughs> to say that. She was like eighty, and her partner was like eighty-four, and then she had. To, Two other couples there that were 79 to 84. And my wife was out of town. She thought maybe I don't want to have dinner. All right, I'll come over. And I was quiet. Now, these these are the most conservative people. They got Fox News on 24 hours a day, really loud. You know, when you open the door, and when cannabis came up, these six people just leaned into me so my hand hurts and i can't hold my golf club anymore you know and is there anything out this what is the cbd thing and another one's going my shoulder you know i was an olympic athlete in my shoulder and the other woman was going what's the stuff that makes you feel good what's all of a sudden i'm like a pharmacist 
Yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, you're I'm taking orders. My, well, my house was no, my house is like half a mile away. I went home, got all this CBD and salve, and gave it to them all. I'm getting calls to send me <laughs> bottles of champagne, wanting more. I'm going to go to a dispensary. <laughs> Are they finding it hard because they feel guilty walking into the drug you know, dealer's uh, place? Again, one of the elements of my show is creating confidence in cannabis. Yeah, it's important. I'm showing how it's grown, how it's tested, what we're testing for. And then I do these little pods, these little segments. And I just did one about dispensaries. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm seeing a girl now. She's like 37, okay? She's been smoking since she was 17. And she just always got it from the guy, her guy. Mm. And I'm like, well, why don't you just go to the dispensary and get some pre-rolls or something? Oh, I've never been in the dispensary. I go, come on, you're like a hip girl. You're smart. You're never been in the dispensary. No, I just get it from my guy. And I'm like, my mind is blowing. Yeah. It's like... Yeah. People are scared to go into dispensary. So in the TV show, I literally go into a dispensary and I go, look, it's a goddamn Apple store. <laughs> That's exactly look, right. look at the butt tenders. They're all like lovely, nice people. You don't know what you want. It's clean. It smells great. Clean. Everything is tested. Everything is regulated. Everything is on cameras. Everything is, is, is just for a normal person to go in and get stuff and have confidence. Yeah. She yeah. went in. She goes, oh, my God, it was so nice. That butt tender was so nice. I said, I told you. <laughs> Isn't it weird? You got to convince the people that are uptight about weed well, and the weed smoker, the professionals. It's like, that's what yeah. I'm saying. She's a wow. smoker, by the way. And it's like, yeah. you know, so, crazy. Uh, you know, the show is hopefully going to bust some of those things. Like, come on. Yeah, those people at my former mother-in-law's house are the people that I'm thinking about in all ages that are curious. Yeah. So my show is not a stoner show. It's not a show. It's like, all right, here's the farm. Here's how we grow it. Here's some comedy because funny shit happened. You got it. Yeah. Then here's how we trim it. Here's how you grow it. These are the nutrients. You know, this is a dispensary. This is RSO or FSO oil, which is used for severe illness. This is how you take it. This is how you make it. Right, right. You know? So it's we not know. like the 21st century Cheech and Chong, who I love. No, no, it's not that. It's, it's not. <laughs> but no. yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing that's crazy, too, is that I there are so many people, older folks in my life, that suffer from migraines or old pains, you know, that. They're taking pills that are wrecking their stomachs. Well, you know, so I'm trying to create a pill because I know these people can take pills. Right. They've been trained to do this. They love not the pills. pills. <laughs> right. You know, but maybe the candy was the in way. But if you can say take two of these and the pain in your back will go away, it may, may help them. But yeah. I showed my show to some people from Louisiana the other night, a rough cut just to kind of watch your reaction. And there's a section in there about the FSO oil. And these people are normal, not show business people like us. You know, they're real estate broker, housewife, 
lovely, lovely people from Louisiana. They were here for the LSU game. You know, they travel. They're like (laughs) dead people, right? They go to LSU. (laughs) I had them over. They're really nice people. And they watched the show, and they were fascinated with the full spectrum oil section and had all these questions. And the guy said, you know, my dad had dementia. Would have this helped him with dementia? Other girls, you know, my mom you know, had cancer. This would help with the. And then the guy said the statement. It's really simple. And you kind of said it. Everybody knows somebody who's suffering. Yeah. Mom, yeah, uncle, grandfather, father, buddy, veteran, a guy like nurse got divorced, nurse mm-hmm. pressure. Everybody knows somebody who's suffering. It crosses the red and the blue and the politics. Mm-hmm. Just so you and I, three of us, have always been in the business of making people feel good. That's what we do. Right. So for me, I didn't realize it, but just naturally going into cannabis is just yeah. a natural path. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, Yeah. too, man. I really love it. And you want to know the beautiful thing about cannabis and psychedelics and all of this is if you miss a day, you don't get side effects. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You miss a day. You miss a day. It's a pain in the ass. But you know, you can't go to NYU. (laughs) You can't OD and die on it either. You know, that's the thing. I like that the psychedelics and the the natural stuff is slowly starting to separate from that drugs term. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? The pills, the pills that you pick up at the pharmacy are killing way more people. I mean, pot and psychedelics and all that isn't killing anybody, but it's the stuff that's legal, alcohol, tobacco, firearms. Right. And then all the pills that's killing everyone. Yeah. I, I, I know, man, I know I get it. I, I, it's, it's a sad thing, but that awareness is, it's coming around again. I go back to those eighty-year-old conservative people who are curious. Yeah, I'm curious. Oh, my parents too. I mean, they're they're not conservative, but they were about drugs. You know, they just didn't they didn't drink or do any drugs. They didn't smoke cigarettes. You know, and then when everything started getting legalized, <laughs> my, my mom, who's eighty-five, got high with me and my because she had some pain stuff right and so uh a deadhead who's a doctor shout out to dr ian he sent me this uh tincture and <laughs> one i said you know that uh they don't want any thc you know so he sent me one that's a th has thc and then one was just cbd right so my mom her she took it and man she was like yeah and so one time she got high with me and my nephews and I told him, I was like, do you realize how cool it is you're getting high with your grandma? Because like me getting high with my grandma, they were like, no, man, we know. I was like, all right, because I don't want this to be lost on you because you're so young. Like, this is deep. But then my dad, too, who has pretty severe dementia now, like uh, we microdosed him and then just DJ old jazz records. And it was my right? sister said, they were like, it's the oh, best day he's had in how many years. So it really does. It crosses 
all these lines. Yeah. You know, age, political, uh, religious, whatever. It's a great, it's like Vegas. It's just like, you know, it cuts across everything. Yeah, it's beautiful. And, you know, the new, not new, but, you know, the, the field that's really starting to expand now is the microdosing of psilocybin and, um, you know, mushrooms and, and, you know, it's nice in Oregon, Oakland have decriminalized it. And, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that is an interesting area of research for people who are severely depressed, severely severe PTSD or, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I can't recommend it, uh, but I, I do. I'm, uh, I'm curious. I, you know, I have this idea lately, or I'm seeing, uh, you know, I, I noticed something I was watching said there's a global work shortage, right? So people <clears throat> and all these huge companies are, are uh, doing away with their drug testing, even in countries where the drugs are still illegal. And I thought, well, maybe this is a gift of the pandemic because people are are realizing they're they're more curious now that their whole lives have been stopped short and they've had a break from whatever they were doing, the rat race, right? right. And now they're like, well, I don't want, I hate that job. I don't want to do that, and I I don't want to do it for that shitty money. And oh, and you're gonna drug test me. Right. It's like, I think a lot of this curiosity, I think people are like, well, wait a minute, because now they've had a chance to A-B the whole situation. Yeah. And they realize how much they hated A. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, I don't want B, but I'm not going back to A. Yeah, right. right. So I wonder if, you know, it's probably a good time <laughs> for you business-wise, because everybody's like, yeah, man, we got we to gotta think of a new I think it, it fosters that curiosity. Like, there's got to be another way to yeah, do this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think cannabis will play a big role in that. And <clears throat> I do feel sorry for the guys that are still getting tested and hurts their job. But, you know, they're, we were releasing the Captain Jack vape pen, purely from Portland. And, I, you know, I signed autographs, take pictures, and discuss the, you know, what's in it and talk to people i learned more on these visits than anywhere going right to the consumer right right woman had you know 100 bones broken in her body and how she got off of opiates and veterans so this guy comes up to me now he was a little anxious you know so i tried to calm him down a little bit he was excited and here's why he was excited he said i'm a diesel worker diesel trucks right huge vehicles the big trucks Hmm. and i got injured and workman's comp uh sent me a doctor and they gave me all these pills and he goes i didn't want to take these pills man uh i wanted i wanted the cannabis for my injury and they said no we can't we can't give you that you know workman's comp's not going to pay for that The fucker went and sued all the way to the Delaware courts and won. He's the first workman's comp uh, patient to use cannabis to have workman's comp pay for it. Awesome. 
I, I got an interview on camera with this guy and I'm trying to fit it into my show because it's like all these people should be waking up. The NFL, you know, the Teamsters Union, these poor guys, they, they can't, you know. Yeah. Nobody. It's they like got we got to loosen up. 37 states. That's more than half of uh, 50 states. That's mm. what we're up to now. Have a medical or recreational program. And it's funny because a lot of the ones that aren't, you see billboards when you're driving through them of the neighboring state. Oh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> It's like head right into Massachusetts for oh, your, man. you know. There, there is a gentleman that runs three stores in Ontario, Oregon. Uh-huh. Steve, the hot box, the great dispensary. He's one of my biggest customers. He buys tons of weed from me. He's right on the border of Idaho. One of the most conservative states as far as cannabis is concerned, for sure. And he's got a huge parking lot. And you drive down that parking lot and it's Idaho plates, Idaho plates, Idaho plates, Idaho plates, Idaho plates. plates. Yep. Because they're going to get their medicine. That's right. Because Idaho won't allow it. Well, before New York and Connecticut, where Massachusetts was the place to Rhode Island, you know, I mean, even like on your way to Vermont, you'd have to stop in Massachusetts if you wanted well, that's to. That's fireworks too, right? Right. Yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and the big liquor store in New Hampshire, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's just, it's such a moneymaker. And I heard a, a, it, the thing that the ego, the way that ego and, and politics and all that gets in the way of progress with everything. And it's like, just pushes people to like, go to another town or another state. I heard some mayor going, I don't care if it's legal in this state. It's not legal in my town because I don't want my, the kids in my town getting high on government property, like the steps of the town hall and the library. And I'm like, I don't think you're ruining any kids plans there, brother. I don't think you're really in touch with the youth. I don't think you're killing any bucket lists for any teenagers. You know, I don't think anybody's looking to get high at the, you know, Registrar's what? office. You all stepped in my. Uh, <laughs> yeah, remember the good old days of smoking a joint at the notary. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, the guys never smoked any exactly, of those. Like, yeah. You know, we do want to go to the woods and like go the direct opposite of that. Yeah, yeah. these kids are smoking joints, laughing at you on the news right now. You dumb dumb. Why don't you make it safer for them? You know, yeah. but. So what do you think is the biggest hurdle? Like in this, like what do you think is the biggest hurdles as far as you know? With like states and and you know the the whole D, you well, know right now the well, stigma kind of thing. Well, the stigma. I don't. I, I, like I said, I don't think there's a real stigma. I think everybody knows somebody who's struggling, and everybody knows. I mean, even Trump when he was running for office, said, "You know, well, you know, people that have uh, are sick and used it, right? Not that bad." You know, he even said that before he ran. You know. Yeah, because even even he knows people who suffer, right? We all know suffering. Yeah, yeah. The the stigma, I think, is moving rapidly away. Um, and I think people like those people that I had dinner with are like, oh, I'm seeing it on the news and I'm seeing shows, and it's like they feel like it's become fashionable, and they're not in fashion, you know. So that kind of helps a little, but. The thing I'm more concerned about is the organization of the, the legality of the uh, regulations in different states. Like here in California, the taxation 
they got so greedy. And the taxation makes it, first of all, impossible for you to make money. The margins are thinner than restaurants. Hmm. But what it does is it, it booms the black market. So the, the idea was to get rid of the black market, <laughs> right? right? Because carrying cash, you get robbed. You, there's, you know, how do you handle the case? You, you, you enter into a legal world. You enter into a world of no regulation, no testing. You don't know what you're smoking. Uh, people getting busted, incarcerated, collapsing yet more families. Yeah. And like that girl, you know, buying from her dealer guy, you know, the guy's running illegally. He can get busted or thrown in jail. So there needs to be more understanding and reform within these states to stop, to make it more attractive to like this girl to go to a dispensary. Hmm. But if the weed on the street is cheaper, a lot cheaper. Hey, man, most of us, are, you know, not me anymore, but a lot of people working check to check. Uh -huh. They budget their, they budget. There were dispensaries where I said, what did you try in that weed? He goes, oh, shit, I just bought some. You know, I'm going to, my next paycheck, that section of the paycheck, I'm going to try your, I mean, I'll, yeah, yeah. I went, <laughs> I got my beer, you know. Yeah. So yeah, groceries. So the, this particular year, right now, the black market is jumping up here in California and Oregon. Wow. Hmm. But Oregon is pretty good. They took lessons from Washington and Colorado. Yeah. And they actually all came down to California to speak about how their legislation are, but the California ego is like, oh, thank you very much. We know what we're doing. We are the largest <laughs> in the country. You know? I lived so, in Colorado when it first became uh, medically available. And uh, wow, what a game changer, you know? I mean, and there were nights, I mean, it was kind of like relearning how to, how to use it. You know what I mean? Like before it was like you said, like, you get what you get from the guy and you know, people from going to fish concerts or whatever, who gets the good sh and that, you know, you're go you're all set, but now you can get, you know, marshmallow pretzel cloud nine bars and little gummy bears and Tootsie rolls and, you know, cotton candy and yep. soda and all that. And it's like, you're a kid again, you know, you're like a 30 year old, you know, with a sweet tooth yeah. and you go a little overboard. Next thing you know, you're just kind of sitting in the tub, staring at your hand at four. Yeah, yeah, you, know? you, but, you know, dosage. that's why I think, <laughs> you know, I think the consumer, uh, like all, all consumers, they want a controlled experience. You know, you have how you're going to feel on three beers, right? Right. You know how you're going to feel on three beers, two shots of whiskey. Mm-hmm. Two glasses of wine, one glass of wine. You're making a choice to be out of control, but you're controlling the dosage. Yeah. Right? And then you get a little drunk and you lose sense of control of your experience, blah, blah, blah. But in cannabis, you really don't know how to control your experience when you're smoking flour. Unless you try it. And there's a lot of anxiety around that. That's why uh, I've partnered up with Bang Chocolate and glazed chocolate in Oklahoma. 
because they, uh, to me, they make the best chocolate. I use, uh, you know, Bang chocolate. I do 2.5 milligrams to sleep. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah, it's a wonderful, it's a small amount. But the thing about entering into the curious, entering into this market, I think the chocolates are the best because it's measured. You can start at 2.5 milligrams, 5 milligrams, and know how you feel. Yeah. And you can control your experience. Mm. So I think that's one of the ways in is in that edible market. And it lasts a little longer too. <clears throat> That's why I I was scared of it because, you know, <laughs> someone would leave. I'll be on the road with the Almond Brothers, and someone would leave cookies on the bus. No, 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 like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> Anything anybody made at home? <laughs> I would never do. I, I ate like, this much. I ate. I'm telling you, a finger. Like, clip of a brownie like just that corner and just like that before i got on a plane in the middle of the flight between san francisco and here la i was tripping yeah <laughs> I was yeah tripping. yeah i was like oh my god everybody knows i'm high on this plane what am i doing what is that? What I, and i had to go to my eight-year-old son's birthday <laughs> and i i was in the shower with cold water <laughs> and I'm like trying to fake it through dinner. Never eat anything anybody. Uh, uh, it's like a deleted scene from the Doors movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's the worst the worst bad trips I think I've ever had have been on too much or too like you know. Uh, some I had a friend that was a roadie. Weed is just like yeah. A friend that was a roadie, and we we were coming back from L.A. and well, his uh friend gave him a Tootsie Roll, and she said, don't just eat, like, an eighth of it. And he was just like, whatever, and he just ate the whole thing. He didn't smoke weed for over six months. Like, yeah. he just, <laughs> he had such a bad trip on the plane, yeah, and just, when it kicked in, he's like. had that terrible experience. Yeah. So they, they stay away from edibles, but in a regulated market, you know. <laughs> right. So then do you think there's going to be that like kind of uh, is like they're going to be the Marlboro and Camelites and and Cools and Salem's and all that of of cannabis eventually, you think? Do you think it's going to be big tobacco eventually? I don't know. I don't know what it's going to happen. You know, it, there's a lot of discussion just about branding. You know, and to me, there is no branding right now. I hope not. Yeah. Just names. <laughs> you got to have a context of. You know, it's going to be an emotional tie. That's why I like the Blues Brothers brand. It's got a nice emotional tie and story to it. It's music. It's entertaining. Yeah. It's, you know, the musicians in the 60s, those those blues guys, they were smoking a little pot, you know, playing, digging. You know, John and Danny brought that spirit back and alive. And it's about fun and enjoying yourself and music and then John dying of a drug overdose, you know, it's like Danny said, if John was a pothead, he'd be alive today. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's so much going on behind this Blues Brothers brand. And I just think there's a better branding because there's a better context to it, you know? Yeah, totally. I'm glad you brought that up because for guys my age, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the Blues Brothers, you know, and if that was hard for you even just with John's 
rolling that or was it cathartic? What what was it like for you? What doing the blues roller? What do you mean? Yeah. Then you oh, guys, Danny. I do it now with Danny's every day. Yeah. Oh, Danny was just a dick, you know. I <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy, uh, it's time you join the Blues Brothers band. <laughs> uh, Danny, no, 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 there's no, no fucking way. Come on, man, that was John's thing, you know. Yeah. I I can't eat a cheeseburger on screen. I can't hold a sword. He, you know, I can't do Mountain Brando. I can't, you know, he ate up my oh, fucking wheelhouse and shit. Like, <laughs> I'm definitely not doing a Blues Brothers. That'd be fucking weird. Absolutely not, Jimmy. <laughs> the Blues Brothers, Jimmy. Jimmy, we created we created a spirit. This is like it's like a law firm, Jimmy. It's like a law firm with all the partners, and one of the partners dies, and so the son or the brother takes over in that spot. It's the same thing. I said, oh, it's not the same thing. I can't take over Jake Blues. <laughs> not Jake Blues. No. No. <laughs> no, Jimmy. And he's like making shit up, right? <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, you would be you would be uh, Brother Zerashida. Zerashida. <laughs> Blues, the long lost Albanian, the brother of Jake Blues that I found in, in the dark villages of Albania, doesn't speak a word of English, but he can sing the blues. And I go looking for him and I find Brother Z and I bring him in. It would be a new character. You're not playing Jake Blues, of course not. You'd be playing the long lost brothers and Dini. Are you on your mind? Jimmy, the Blues Brothers need you to keep the legacy and the spirit of the blues and Jake Blues alive. We need you. The band needs you. Although you don't think it's fucking weird? You don't think people are going to say that's fucking weird? Absolutely not. You're going to bring the joy. You can dance. You can sing. You can do it all. You've been on Broadway. Your parents of Penzance kicking with swords. Come on. Uh. Unbelievable. And I'm like, if you don't think it's weird, you know, <laughs> I don't know why I think it's weird. And that was 25 years ago. And it was like Dini took one of those saws in surgery where they cut your chest open and open it up and reach in for your heart. And he reached into my heart. And John and Dini gave me life yeah. with this blues man mm. with this music i i came alive my life changed because i was depressed i had gone through another divorce back then <laughs> <laughs> oh that ex-wife that okay divorce. yeah uh who i adore <laughs> she's a wonderful woman uh we have a nice relationship together um and i was dead you know, living dead, the walking dead. And he just, and uh, we're going to actually, we're doing the Blues Brothers in Vegas on um, October 21st at the House of Blues at the Mandalay Bay. There's the big unpacked, MJ unpacked convention and MJ biz convention. And we're going to do with Steve D'Angelo and we're doing a show to benefit the Last Prisoners Project. 
<laughs> we just so had him on. We had yeah, him. I know Teal's one of the. Uh, what are you of Teal? You're a. Because uh, I'm on member. the advisory board. Now. Advisory board. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh well. Okay. You know all about it, then, man. I mean, yeah. this is going to be great. A great best, yeah. There's A lot of money. Steve's going to be there. Got a couple special guests that I can tell you is coming. <laughs> and then on the 19th, we're going to be in uh, 19th or 20th. We're going to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, also doing a Blues Brothers show. Awesome. And uh, it's lovely being with that, you know, 6'4 Canadian dancing. <laughs> up. Man, he seems like such a trip to hang with. What, man? It's fucking crazy, man. We were doing a gig in Toronto, and uh, we were sitting in the dressing room, and it is 10 minutes before showtime. He goes, ah, oh, you know, Jimmy, we should change the opening. <laughs> so, what would you like to change it to? Um, uh, 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 what's the song it goes? Um, uh, you got me right now. You got me running. Shotgun, uh, shotgun. You want to run Do the jerk, baby. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. We, we just did a horrible version of that, but yeah. First thirty seconds of that. Is like this unbelievable sax solo, man. Just full of fucking energy, and it's fantastic. And who's the originator of that song? You're killing me. I hear Mac. it in my head right now. Johnny Mac. Is it Johnny Mac? Look it up. Shotgun. Who is it? I, I get Ma the Mac song. I'm looking. Got it? Looking. <laughs> Shotgun. My hands don't move that fast. Hang on. You don't want to run and uh, 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 do the jerk, baby. I can tell you got the groove. See, I can see the way you're moving. Damn, yeah, I'm right. looking it up. It's going to take a sec. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so, Danny says, Junior Walker in the All-Star. Thank Walker. you, Eric. Junior Walker. I'm like, the wizard. Of course yeah. it's Junior Walker. So, shows you how stupid I get some days. Ever since the divorce, I got a little stupid. Anyway, <laughs> so Danny is like, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, we got to do the opening of, uh, <laughs> of Shotgun. And I went, yeah, yeah, we'll rehearse it the next sound check. No, we got to do it tonight. Uh, Danny, uh, uh, this is an all-star band. I'm sure they know it. I go, I don't, I got oh. to talk to them. Let me, let me. Let me. <laughs> now it's five minutes before the show. I go up to Joe Sublet, who's the masterpiece of our band. And I go uh, to Joe, I go, uh, you know what? Joe, Danny, you know Danny. <laughs> he wants to do the opening uh, to uh, Shotgun. He wants to open a show with Shotgun. I'm just, I don't know. Do you do you know? Do you know it? He goes, Oh uh, yeah, I played it with Walker. I played with Walker. <laughs> what? I played it. With Walker. Oh, so you know it? Yeah, yeah. Kind of. Because you know the All Stars. Know. I'm one of them. <laughs> That's awesome. yeah, not my band is. I go. Do you think the band? Goes, yeah, they all do. <laughs> but would you tell? Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Three minutes. Four minutes, you know, two minutes. 
We're there in a minute, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the All Star Blues Brothers official showbiz. I might tell you, Danny does that big MC thing. God damn it! Boom on the beat. We're doing shotgun, man, and it is smoking. <laughs> and it was fun, man. But Danny, man, it's pretty. It's 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 kind of amazing to think about too. Like the gift, in a way, way down the road that your older brother left you. That, that found you when you were depressed. I did Sweet Home Chicago at the House of Blues. Because yeah. Danny said, you better learn how to sing the blues. Because I said, I sang on Broadway. He goes, you better learn. So I started with the Sacred Hearts Band at the House of Blues on Monday night. Oh, wow. Guys, they're all, they're, they're all musicians that met on Monday night and jammed. I mean, Federini was there. You know, Bruce's uh, uh, keyboard player, Danny Federici. Um, the band is just stacked with beautiful guys. And they had asked me to sing with them. I went, oh, no. So I went there and I said, well, Danny wants me to learn. And as I know, I think I know Sweet Home Chicago. So I got up. They introduced me. I started singing. The place was full. And in the second chorus, I went, oh, John, mm-hmm. I get it. I get what you were doing. Oh, John, thank you. Wow. Thank you for bringing me here. This is so healing. I didn't say this part, but in retrospect, it's like so healing. You're loving me now. Thank you for the gift. Yeah. And we thank him every night at the show. That's beautiful, man. Danny was the one. I mean, come on, Danny put his arm around me and forced me into this. He must have known I needed something because I did, and he gave it to me. And I'm, you know, there's that saying when you drink the water, remember the men or women who dug the well. Yeah. Yeah. Danny. Yeah. I'm drinking the water, and I'm grateful and honored. And- well, we're, we're grateful and we're honored to have you with us, man. Thank you so much yeah. for chilling with us. That was, yeah, that man. was awesome. This well, podcast, fun, man. I'm just hanging hell yeah, again. dude! It's great, and you're doing such awesome work. I'm so excited for the show. So the second season's going to be uh, hitting the hitting the waves soon. Discovery, uh, Discovery Plus, uh, probably in November. We're going through our notes session right now, and we're going to actually pick a release date today at four thirty. We'll go get ready for that meeting. Okay. All right, man. Thank you. We so- love you so much, dude. Thank you very much. We'll I'll be in touch. Yes, totally. I'll keep an eye out for your son, man. We should, we should let me know if he wants to come to a show. I'll be happy to, to bring him. All right. Nice to meet you. You too, man. Bless you. Yeah, bless you too. Adios, Jim. Uh, man, thank you. Later, man. Osiris. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at fantasy points. Fantasypoints.com code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.